following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. James chapter 5, we'll be looking at verses 13 through 20. We'll actually look, uh, be looking at a couple of different scriptures, but we'll start here. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers... If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Uh, as I shared, this is a second part of a series. If you missed last week, um, you can go listen to it online. Um, we're talking about covenant community, and it's kind of, as I said last week, it's a new thing uh, that we're starting. I'm not sure exactly what to call it, so I'm just calling it a thing. So what is covenant community? Last week we looked at, at the community part of it and what it means to be a community, and really is explaining that the church is a community. So people, a group of people who gather together in community. It's by very definition what, it, what a church is. Uh, a community of believers who are committed to following Christ. Um, and we talked a little bit that salvation comes by grace through faith in the work of Jesus, uh, really directly from God. We don't, we don't need to come through a church to, to know Jesus. God sends his grace to us directly. But spiritual growth and maturity cannot happen to the full extent apart from the community, the local church. We need each other, uh, and not just the pastor, okay? It's not just that you need to hear the preaching. We need all of the gifts. We need all of each other. And I need the ministry of the body for us to grow into the maturity that God has for us. And passages like Ephesians chapter 4 make it clear that you will never be uh, mature if you do it as a solo Lone Ranger venture. We need the body of Christ, and we need the local church uh, we need the, uh, the input. And not only that, but the body needs you. Right? You bring spiritual gifts and abilities and wisdom and experience and God's grace to the church in unique ways that the body of Christ needs. And that's part of what it all means to be community. Uh, that we all are in a, in a group project to grow each other up and disciple and mentor each other into be Christ-like. So today, that's us community. This morning, what I'd like to do is look at the other half of the equation, the covenant part. What do we mean by covenant? 
Um, and we're actually going to try to answer three questions. First of all, what is a covenant relationship? So we'll kind of break that down just in general. Secondly, what is our goal or purpose as a church in asking you to consider entering into covenant as part of our church? And lastly, uh, what exactly are we asking people to commit to in this covenant? What are some of the specific details? Um, so let's uh, look at these. Uh, if you're visiting and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be here. I'm just visiting. Uh, I hope that this will encourage you to understand a little bit better what the church is in general. Uh, if you're part of CCF and you're a regular attender, I hope this will um, help you understand how we want to, as a church, serve you and build our church to be the kind of community that the Bible talks about. So first let's talk about what, uh, what is a covenant relationship. Um, I'm guessing that not too many of you going around saying to people, hey, let's make a covenant. Anybody said that recently? Probably not, right? It's really not kind of part of our culture. We don't go around making covenants. Although I do remember when I was a kid, six or seven years old, um, having these conversations with, with my friends at school. And we would, we would want to make some kind of a friendship pact. And usually, you know, we would talk about becoming blood brothers. And I don't know where this came from, uh, but we, we, we knew that, like, if you really want to be serious friends with somebody, you need to become blood brothers, which means you would, you would cut yourself and draw blood, and you would mingle your blood together, and you would have, like, this covenant pact, right? And I remember having lots of conversations that we were going to do this, and somehow we could never quite draw blood. Uh, the knife was too dull, or maybe we were just too chicken, I don't know. But we'd try, and after several attempts and not drawing blood, we'd decide to just shake on it. <laughs> just shake. Forget the blood part. Right? Um, but in general, we don't really think about relationships in terms of a covenant, right? Um, what, what is a covenant? Well, a covenant could be defined as a, a bond entered into voluntarily by two parties by which each pledges himself to the other or to do something for other or to the other person. And we see that throughout the Old Testament, especially this idea of covenant became a central idea to the religion of, of Israel and of the Old Testament. So all through the Old Testament, covenant becomes a major theme. And then, of course, in the New Testament, Jesus comes and he says that he makes, interestingly, a new covenant in his own blood. Um, so covenant is a very biblical idea that, that was true uh, perhaps long ago and in that culture. Uh, and at its core, a covenant is simply an agreement between two or more parties outlining mutual rights and responsibilities. Okay? Simple definition. An agreement between two or more parties outlining mutual rights and responsibilities. Um, and because we don't really, in, in the West especially, because we don't really uh, go around saying, hey, let's make a covenant, we tend to... Uh, see the scope of a covenant in terms of um, like business dealings, right? Or in situations where you don't really fully trust the other person. And we think, well, I don't really trust this person. I don't know what they're going to do. So I think we need a contract or a, a covenant, right? A covenant is really a, co a contract. So that's, that's how we tend to think about covenant. But it's very interesting in the Bible, when you actually look through covenant relationships in the Bible, the exact opposite is true. In Scripture, 
the more the more personal and more significant and loving the relationship, the more likely it will be entered into on the basis of a covenant. Okay? And to us, that just seems kind of odd and awkward. It's like I really love you. Let's let's make a covenant. <laughs> it just seems weird, right? But it's true, and in Scripture, this is how it worked. And if, if one of the best illustrations of this is in 1 Samuel 18. Um, and the context of this is David has just killed Goliath. If you know that story, right? David goes up against Goliath. He kills Goliath. And Saul is very impressed with David. But not only is Saul impressed, but Saul's son, and Saul's the king, his son Jonathan takes notice of David. And in 1 Samuel 18.1 it says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, that is David, had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Then in verse 3 it says, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Isn't that cool? Jonathan is drawn to David. He sees in David something unique and special. It says his soul is knit to, to David. He has a strong, deep, deep personal connection with David. And it says he loves him as his own soul. And so because of that love, because of the depth of his relationship, because of the significance of that relationship, Jonathan says to David, I want to make a covenant with you. I want to enter into that kind of a relationship with you. And so he does. Um, and so in Scripture, it's clear that the, 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 the more significant the relationship, the deeper, the more important it is, the more likely it will be entered into on the basis of a covenant. And certainly you see that true in, in God's dealings with man. Uh, God identifies key people in the Old Testament that he wants to have a, a significant relationship with. And what does he do? Uh, he enters into a covenant with them. So that's true with uh, Noah and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and eventually with, with, with all those who come to him through Jesus. He does it through what? Through a covenant relationship. And it's not because, it, well, for God, it might partly be because he doesn't trust you or I. Um, trust may be an issue, but the root of it is his love for us. And what he hopes will be our love towards him. That's the basis and, and the heart of covenant relationship. So I would, I would modify kind of the standard definition of covenant in, in a biblical sense to put it this way. A covenant is an agreement between two or more parties outlining mutual rights and responsibilities where our love for each other matters too much to make assumptions about the relationship. That's really what a covenant is about. When our relationship is so important and, and matters too much to us, that person matters too much to us that we're just going to leave it up to chance. Or we're just going to make assumptions about it. We're just going to blindly assume you know, that they want the kind of relationship we want with them, right? So we, uh, we make a covenant because of the value of the relationship. It is a treasure to protect. Uh, so in this sense, a covenant is a lot like a fortress, right? It's, it's, it's a relationship with somebody you treasure and value. And you want to build a fortress around that relationship to protect it, uh, to guard it, to make sure that uh, both people are clear about 
the, the value. And both have the same amount of value on the relationship. Imagine if some poor guy um, was just smitten with some very famous movie star. She's beautiful. She's got tons of personality. She's everything he ever dreamed of. And he says, I'm going to marry that lady. So he goes out and he sends her emails. He sends her flowers. He writes her, tries to visit her. And she, of course, could care less about this guy, right? She never responds. She never writes back. She doesn't read his letters. She deletes all of his emails, right? Um, there's a problem in this relationship because if he's going to marry her, he needs her cooperation. <laughs> this isn't going to go very far, right? And so a covenant is, is uh, spelling out that both of us are equally committed to that level of relationship. Right? The guy may be all about marriage. The girl's about, I don't even want to talk to you, right? Can't have a, you can't have a significant meaningful relationship. So a covenant spells out the, the relationship and invites both parties to commit to it mutually. Right? That's why it's, it's, it's mutual uh, relationship, mutual responsibility, uh, coming together in relationship. And, and God does enter into relationship with us by covenant. Um, such is our, so valuable is, are we to him and our relationship with him that God seeks covenant relationship with us. Uh, now, uh, and it's, it's remarkable because God obligates himself to us by a binding promise in the covenant. And in the new covenant under Jesus, the promise is this, that through the blood of Jesus, he will cover and remove all of your sin. And he will make it possible for you to be in close, intimate relationship with him where you can draw near to him as a friend. But our side of it is, is, is that we must have faith in him and we must come close to him. Uh, it means nothing if, if uh, it's only a promise. A promise can be very one-sided. But a covenant requires both sides to participate. And so we enter into relationship with God not only through His promise, but through a covenant relationship where we agree to come to God. Uh, it requires mutual, uh, mutual commitment to the relationship. Um, now, of course, with God, it can never be an equal commitment. Right? God's infinite. God's love is unlimited. And if we, had to, if we had to commit to God to the level He commits to us, it would never work. Right? We cannot equal God's love, His commitment, His faithfulness, like we sang about this morning. We can't do it. Uh, so it, 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 it cannot be equal, but it must be mutual. Right? Both sides have to be longing to enter into this relationship. And God longs for relationship with you. And he invites you in this covenant relationship to enter into relationship with him, to know him. Uh, in the new covenant under Jesus, uh, Jesus both makes possible and guarantees the covenant completely by his own work alone. So in other words, the new covenant means Jesus did all the work to make the relationship possible by his death on the cross. There's nothing we do to, to make this relationship feasible or possible. It's all on Jesus. But nonetheless, we have a part to play because it is a relationship. We must enter in and come into a mutual relationship of love and fellowship with God. All right, so that's what a, in short, what a covenant is and how it works. Uh, and I hope you see that 
Just the main point here is that the, the more committed you are, the more important the relationship, the more the people are, the more necessary it is to have a covenant. And we see this in our own culture. One of the most important, significant relationships we ever enter into is that of marriage. And we do it by a covenant. Right? We, we come together and we make a covenant because that relationship is so sacred and special. All right, so what does this all have to do with uh, the church, especially with a local church like CCF? Why do we want to have covenant? Does this mean I want to marry you all? No. <laughs> okay. um, but it does mean we want to enter into a certain kind of relationship that's important to us. Right? Important to us as a church, and we hope is important to you also as part of the church, as the body of Christ. So how do we apply covenant to community? What does that look like? Um, what does it have to do with a local church like CCF, a local group of people who meet together in community? Um, and, and the first question we have to make clear, the question is, is it required, is it necessary to have a covenant in order to be part of a local church? I want to be very clear from the up front, very clear about this, okay? No, it is not required to have a covenant to be part of a local church. Nowhere in Scripture is, is uh, as much as there is in Scripture about covenants, all through the Bible there's all kinds of discussion about covenants, but never is it applied in Scripture to the church, as into the local church. Of course, the church as a whole is in covenant relationship with Jesus, but never does the Bible talk about we need to form covenants within our churches. So what I'm, what I'm uh, proposing here is not a biblical command a lot of what we talked about last week about community, I believe, is. The things that we went through are very clear in Scripture that we're to be these things for each other as a community of faith. But what I'm talking about this morning in terms of covenant is not a command of Scripture. Right? So if we go through all this thing and you go, well, that's just a dumb idea, Tim. I don't know why you came up with it. I don't want to be a, sign any covenant with you. We're cool. Okay, no problem. I'll still love you. Um, I, I won't burn your house down, right? And I hope you won't, like, burn me at the stake. Um, the, the, the thing about covenant for us, though, is as we wrestled with what it means to be a church here in Chiang Mai, we feel that, that it does have practical value in helping us think through what it means for us to be a church here in Chiang Mai. Given the nature of our community, um, we think it has some value Again, not a biblical command, just some value, a practical tool to help us sort out how we can be a church, how we can be a community that's the family of God. And the reason is, is as I, and I talked about this a little last Sunday, but there's basically three uh, things that we feel this is warranted or necessary. Why it's our unique situation calls for a covenant. The first reason is that Chiang Mai is such a transient community. It's great to have Kathy Walden here. And Rick and Kathy go back a long way back at, at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship. How many of you know Rick and Kathy? Oh, more than more than I'm surprised, right? Uh, <clears throat> poor Kathy got here this morning. She goes, I don't, I don't know anybody, right? You know why? Because we just are constantly turning people over. We're very transient. Right? So that creates challenges for us as a community. 
Because community requires kind of longevity of relationship. And when people turn over quickly and often, it's, it, it, it creates some challenges for us. Second reason is that there really is uh, here in this community a lot of confusion about the role of the church, especially when you're away from home. Right? I, I recognize that for most of you, you have a home church that you were plugged into and committed to and part of. And you still have deep relationships with those people and are probably accountable to the leadership in those places. Um, and most of us don't plan on living here forever. And even those who do plan on living here forever, plans change. Things change. Circumstances change. And if you go back to your home country, you, you'll go back to your home church. That's your roots. That, that's your home. Right? And, and so... Um, that creates confusion, though, about what, what's my role here? What is CCF? What, what, what's my relationship? Because it's not my home church. It's not my sending church. Uh, it, it's a temporary home away from home. So what does that mean? What does that look like? And we really believe that uh, spelling things out in a covenant will help us reduce some of the confusion and be more clear about what kind of relationship we want to have as your church that's a home away from home, not your home church. Thirdly, uh, there is a need just to spell out what this relationship looks like. So it's clear and mutual. Um, kind of like, like, like the guy who falls in love with the movie star. Um, if, if both sides don't come together in a relationship mutually, right? if it's very one-sided, it means that one person is going to be constantly frustrated and the other person is just actually not going to care. Right? And, and oftentimes that kind of happens here in our, in our, in our context. Um, we as leaders and elders and pastors oftentimes feel a deep connection to you as, as a congregation and love you and, and want to invest in your life. We want to serve you. But it's amazing how many people in the congregation, I'm not saying you personally, but amazing how many people in our congregation walk away from that with, with absolutely no care or concern at all. And it's like, you know, what? You're nothing to me, right? And, and that's okay, but we need to spell that out, right? We need to come to an agreement. So if I'm saying, man, I want to pour my life into you, and you're like, stay away, but you're getting too close, that's fine. I just want to know where we're at. It's kind of like dating with a girl, right? You're going for marriage, and she's going for, like, you know, the free ice cream or something. <laughs> you just got to know. You just got to know where this is, right? Well, we hope that covenant will help us identify you know, where we're at in this relationship so that we can serve you well. And, and if, you're, if you don't want that, we, we're still going to love you, but we're not going to pour into you if, if that's not something you want. Because right? we have limited time and resources and energy, so we're going to focus with those who want this kind of relationship, who feel this is something they value and want and, and believe in. All right, so... so as I said, a covenant spells out, spells out the rights and responsibilities in the relationship. And a marriage covenant does this. We stand up and we say, you know, we pledge our love and we, we pledge to be responsible in our commitment to that other person. So as we look at CCF, as we look at our relationship between each other as a body and between the, the leadership of the church and, and those in the fellowship, what are the rights and responsibilities that come in this relationship? And again, I believe a lot of these things are not unique to, to us. These are biblical things. 
Um, it's just that in Scripture, it's just assumed you'll do these. It's not often made formalized through a covenant. Um, but certainly, there is, a, there is the role of shepherd and there's the role of the flock of God. And the Scripture is very clear about the, the, the rights and responsibilities of each of these roles. So First uh, Peter 5, 1 through 5 spells out uh, clearly the, the role of a shepherd and the rights and responsibilities that go with that. Now, there's other passages, but for sake of time, we'll, we'll just look at a couple. First Peter 5 says this, So I exhort the elders among you. If you're an elder here this morning, raise your hand. Uh, an elder of CCF, that is. Uh, you might be an elder somewhere else, but an elder of CCF. Raise your hand again. If you've got a few of them around, right? Okay, this is to you guys, right? And we've talked about this, so they know this. But I exhort you elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as partakers in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. These guys have a responsibility before God, not before me, not before you, before God himself. He's appointed them to shepherd the flock of God among you. That's a very serious and huge responsibility. What does that mean? Well, he explains it. He says, uh, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. All right, so they, they, are, they are to shepherd by exercising oversight. Um, we, we don't like to talk about this in our kind of democratic Western world, but the reality is God has put elders, has given to elders spiritual authority. And they have a, a, a right and a responsibility over the congregation to lead them, to speak into your life truth, to correct you if you're wandering off the path. Right? They, they're given spiritual authority and they are to use that authority to lead and care for and protect and hold the congregation accountable. That's part of their task in shepherding. Uh, They're to lead you. They're to guide you. They're to protect. They're to care for you. Um, Then there's the role of the flock, right? Um, The role of the flock, it goes on, Peter says in verse 5, Likewise, you who are younger, you who are not elders, the rest of you, be subject to the elders. Be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right? For those who are in the flock, you have a, a responsibility to be subject to the elders, to put yourself under their authority and care. Okay? Now, covenant may not be biblical, but this is. Okay? Peter's just saying this flat out as a command. Right? As a, as a member of the body of Christ, we have a responsibility and a duty to put ourselves under the authority of God's leadership over the church, okay? the elders. Uh, now, of course, they're to exercise this, this authority um, with grace and with compassion, with humility. Right? Um, but you also are to have humility towards one another. And that means the elders 
and pastors myself, we, we should be humble in our leadership and in our relationship with you. Not one of superiority or dominance or domineering, but grace and humility. But likewise, uh, this goes both ways, right? We as the flock need to be humble and, and in, in our attitude towards leaders. One more passage real quick. James chapter 5, we read it. Let me just highlight a couple things. Um, verse 14 says, Is any among you sick? Let him call the elders. This is amazing because back then they didn't even have telephones. <laughs> How did they do that? Right. Or we could, we could say this, If any of you sick among you, you know, text message your elders. Send him an email. Call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you. <laughs> um, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. A couple more roles of the flock. Um, you have a responsibility to call for the elders in your time of need. I'll tell you, honest pet peeve frustration drives me crazy, crazy, is when I, I find out through the grapevine, oh yeah, so-and-so's been in the hospital for two weeks. They're dying of pneumonia, right? It's like, what? And I'm just now finding out about it because they couldn't communicate to the church, the leaders of the church, the spiritual authority who want to pray for them, to come pray for them for healing, it's like, you like being sick that much? I don't know. I don't get it, right? I just don't get it. But again, it's that confusion about what the church is. There's huge confusion, right? And, and like you call home, you call your home church, you call your mission, whatever, member care person, you call your friends. Poof, like the church is not on your radar, right? That's why we need covenant relationship, right? That you're going to promise me, if you're dying, please let me know. Right? Please. Communicate. Confess your sins to one another. He says, you need to be confessing your sins to one another. Now, how many of us love doing this? Oh, yeah, please, let me. I've just been dying to have somebody I can confess my sins to. Uh, this is part of what it means to be the body of Christ. Now, we don't we've got to be careful about this. You don't confess your sins to everybody. There's trusted people. And, and the elders... Close friends that you trust are those kind of people. Um, uh, we're commanded to do this. Right? We're commanded to hold each other accountable by confessing our sins, by being humble enough to be honest and transparent about our failures. And this is honestly just gospel-centered living. I don't get up here in front of you and tell you, I have arrived, I haven't sinned in so long, I forgot what it's like. No, I remember quite well because it happens to me regularly. And, and uh, I say things I regret. I do things I regret. I think things that I regret. Um, I'm a fallen, broken person who's being constantly restored by the grace of Jesus and the power of the cross. Right? We, we need to be humble enough to be honest with each other about our failures and mistakes. I remember uh, a little while back somebody talking to me saying, you know, I never hear people in the church talk about their struggles. And when I have struggles, I feel like I'm the only one. That's not community. And that's not what it means to be the body of Christ. Right? We need to be honest and transparent about our struggles. Um, 
Because through that, we find help and grace and people will pray for us. Um, this passage of James tells us there are a couple more roles for the, for the elders. They, they, they have the responsibility of being available and accessible. When you call them, they need to be available uh, and, and have time to, to come and pray with you. They didn't make that a priority. And we've talked about this as elders, as we've implemented this. Can we as elders commit to this and do this? Right, and they're, they're committed to this. Um, they have a responsibility to come and pray for people. And to have the spiritual maturity and faith of Elijah. I love that. Okay. Um, we're working on that one, right? We're working on that one. But we're going to try, right? We're going to try to have faith and maturity. We're trying to find elders who, who do have experience walking the path of faith so they can pray for you and, and you can see God heal and work in your life. Uh, the elders have a responsibility, responsi- have a responsibility to seek after lost sheep. Right? He says, you know, if any of you strays away, blessed is the one who goes and finds them and brings them back. And the elders want to do that. And that's part of this covenant relationship. When people just disappear from the church, we want to know why. Right? Maybe you just decided, you know, our youth group doesn't cut it for your kids and you want to go to a church with a better youth group. That's great. Fine. We, we'll bless you in that. Right? But if you've dropped out of church because you're struggling in your walk with God and you're dealing with sin in your life and you're about to be swallowed up by Satan, that's not okay. Right? And we don't want to just stand by and let you drop off the deep end of sin and destruction and destroy your family without us having the opportunity to pray and intervene and come alongside you. Okay? That's what this is about. Um, we want to seek after lost sheep and know who they are. Um, and that's not just for elders. Uh, James makes it clear that we have that responsibility all for each other. Right? Any of you who, who goes after that lost sheep, who knows somebody is struggling and goes after them and, and comes alongside them in their brokenness and tries to bring them back, right? he says uh, there's a blessing in that, a great blessing, because you have saved a soul from, from death right? and covered a multitude of sins, James says. All right, so if I could summarize this real quickly, here's the rights and responsibilities of a shepherd, summarizing those two passages uh, and some others <laughs> that I didn't talk about. They have the right to know who you are. They have the right to know some things about you so they can minister and serve you. They do have a right to hold you accountable and, and to, uh, to be there when sin starts creeping in to speak uh, truth into your life, to rebuke you, to correct you. Um, they, they have the right to speak into your life in loving ways when you're wandering or confused or lost. Um, they have a responsibility to teach and equip you for ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, we looked at that last week. They have a responsibility to be praying for you, and especially when there's needs in your life, but really all the time. They have a responsibility to guide you, advise you, and to minister to you, especially in times of need. And they have a responsibility to seek after you if you're wandering away, not from church, but from God. Right? Again, if you want to go to a different church, we bless you. There's lots of churches. Ours isn't the only one. Pick one. Right? We'll send you on. But if you're drifting up the path of relationship with God, right, they have a responsibility to, to go after you. Um, there are some obstacles that can get in the way. Um, 
One of the biggest obstacles is that they can't keep up with you, which is what the covenant thing is about. The reality is we're having a hard time keeping up with all of you. This covenant plan is going to be a way we believe will help us keep track of you in this ever-changing community of Chiang Mai. Another obstacle is lack of communication. I talked about that. If you don't communicate with the elder who's caring for you, then it's hard for us. It makes it hard for us. Um, uh, an obstacle is that they're too busy and they're not making it a priority. And if that's true, we will hold them accountable to how they're doing. Uh, another obstacle is if they have wrong motives, if they are serving because of pri- their own pride and not out of humility. So we want to watch that. And of course, another obstacle is if they're being overbearing rather than leading by example. Right? Uh, shepherds should not be bullies who beat up the sheep. Right? That's not the point. Uh, they should be loving people who care for the sheep with compassion and grace. All right, so then the flock, the, you know, and this is all of us, including the elders, as part of the body. We also have rights and responsibilities. We have the right to be cared for by loving leaders. And we as a church want to do that. We want to love you and care for you well. We have the right to encouragement and support. We have the right to grow under the ministry of the word uh, through good teaching of the Bible. And we have the right to belong to a healthy community. Along with that, we have a responsibility as the flock of God to communicate and ask for help when there's a need. Right? That's a responsibility. It's on you. You have needs to, to pray for, ask for that help. Um, we have a responsibility to confess our sins to each other, one to another. We have a responsibility to be accountable to each other. Um, we have a responsibility to serve the body with our spiritual gifts. I know a lot of you are in ministry outside of the church and you're using your gifts in incredible ways to do ministry outside of the church. But remember, you do have a responsibility also to the body of Christ. It's not either or. It's both and. right? Both outside ministry to the world and a responsibility to each other as a local fellowship. Um, and we have a responsibility to meet together, to assemble Right, talked about community can't be community if we don't meet. Uh, obstacles, lack of humility, too proud to admit we need help, to admit our flaws and failures. The obstacle of being too independent. And the reality is that you as a group of people, as largely missionaries, people who, people who are living outside of your home country mostly, um, what makes you able to do this is you are super independent people. Right? Nobody needs to hold your hand. Right? Nobody held your hand and brought you to Thailand. You're independent people who are take charge, do-it-yourself kind of people. And that's awesome. Except uh, there's limits to that in relationship. Right? In the body of Christ, we, if we're too independent, community doesn't work. So we need to come together and lay aside some of our independence and realize that we do need each other. We need, to, we need the body of Christ. Uh, failure to communicate, I talked about that. Fail, failure to value the church. Right? Failure to value the importance of the local fellowship of believers in our life. And I just see that all the time where people um, they don't know what church is for. They really don't value it at all. Um, and, of course, that, that makes the whole thing kind of fall apart. right? Um, okay, so... Um, so our goal in all of this, our practical goals in the covenant community, real quick, we just want to know who you are. 
And by signing this covenant, by writing down your name, giving us your email, and saying, yeah, we want to be in this kind of relationship with you. It identifies for us who you are so that we can make sure you are being taken care of. Um, our second goal is, is so that we can care for you better. Uh, that's really what this is about, is how as we as leaders, uh, we as a church, we as the body together can give better care. And I know, and it's painful for me to look back over the last 15 years, we have not done this very well. Right? We have failed in many accounts in many ways, and part of it is because we just didn't know how to go about this. And I hope this works. If this doesn't work, I'm going to be really sad. Um, but, but we want to take care of people, especially in times of crisis and need. Right? We want to be better at this. So we really hope this will, ha- will happen. And what will happen if you sign up for the covenant membership ag- agreement, uh, you, we're going to assign an elder or a shepherd to your care. And they're committed to contacting you at least once a month, if not more, and building relationship with you. Right? Like I said, I can't do this all by myself. We need to spread it out. So there will be an elder who will look after you. Uh, but we, we trust you'll also help them by communicating with them. Um, third, uh, it is a way to hold each other accountable. Both you as people who are you know, walking with God, as well as our elders, that we can track and find out if they're doing their job. If they're not doing their job, we, we're going we're, we're we're to do something with them. Right? We'll remove them from elders. So we'll find people who will commit to that. Um, There's a few things I want to just clarify, too, that the covenant community is not. Right? Just to be clear, uh, the co- covenant community is not church membership. We know that many of you may be members of your home church or have those kind of relationships. We're not trying to substitute that or duplicate that. We're not asking you to become a member of CCF. All we're asking for you is to identify that you want a more committed relationship with us. Right? So it's not membership. Uh, it's not the right to vote or make decisions. We're led by elders. So if you sign the covenant, it doesn't mean you get to vote for something. Sorry. Um, it doesn't work that way here. Um, we do hope that the elders are listening to you and are serving you well. And so as they make decisions, uh, we trust that they're tuned into you and, they, and, and they're uh, sensitive to your concerns. And they'll make decisions uh, with that in mind, right? It is not, uh, covenant membership is not joining a CCF home group. Now, I would love, I would love, a dream of mine would be to have all of you in a home group that's connected with CCF. But that's just impossible. And I'm not even going to try doing that, right? It just doesn't work. Uh, At least I've never been able to make it work. We would love, and, and there is an expectation that you will be committed to meeting together regularly, both with CCF as a whole and with some small group. But we don't care where that small group is. It might be with a group of people who none of them go to CCF. It may be with your mission organization. It may be with another church. It may be some men's group. We don't care. Please commit to a small group. But it doesn't have to be a CCF group. Now, if, you want to, if, if there's not a group and you want to start a group, this is how it works for us. We just say, if you want to start a group, start a group. And we'll help you promote it. We'll let people know. Uh, so that they can join. Um, but we're not, 
by doing this, you're not automatically signed up to a group. Right? This has nothing to do with groups. Right? It's an expectation that you'll be in a group. But this has nothing to do with joining a small group. Uh, it is also not signing up as a volunteer. Um, now, Denise said we need Sunday school teachers. It would be super fun to think we're going to sign you up and we're going to make you do something. No, not going to do that. Don't worry. Um, there is an expectation to actively minister to the fellowship at CCF. So if you sign up the covenant, you're committing to, to ministering to the body of Christ here. But that doesn't have to be through a church program. Right? We have some great programs and those ministries are effective. But there's a lot of gifts and ministries that operate outside of structured programs. Like uh, discipleship and mentoring, intercessory prayer, counseling, hospitality, encouragement. Often those things are much more relational and not part of a program. So it's, it's, not, it's not about connecting with a program. Lastly, it is not a long-term commitment. Now, uh, in, in most churches, they would want this. And at some level, we would want this too. But we're just realistic that this is not our community. The reality is that really none of us know what's going to be going on in our life a year from now. And so we're just asking for a one-year commitment. That's all. And every year, we'll, we'll renew it. Because we know that your life will change. And even where you think it may not change, things change. And a year from now, things could be very different for you. So it's just a one-year commitment, that's all. It's not for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's not a life sentence. Um, so here's the covenant. And, and I've got, I think, slides up with it. I'm just going to go through it real quick. Uh, you can... It's available online, and I'll show you at the end how, how to access it. But this is the simple covenant. As those who have experienced the grace of life changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to reflect the character of Christ through the, through the pursuit of godly attitudes and actions and the rejection of those things that do not honor Christ. Covenant community is intended as a commitment to follow the biblical obligations of a believer. And that's all we're asking for. And you follow scripture. By signing the CCF Covenant Community document, I commit to supporting the mission of CCF to love God, love people, and build his kingdom. I specifically commit to submit to the word of God, and respond in the worship of God, live in the community of God, and join in the mission of God. And under each of those headings, we have some subpoints. Submit to the word of God. Uh, we trust that you have been baptized as a believer into the body of Christ. And this is really for those who are true believers. Habitually spend time with God through the practice of long-established disciplines. Be in the Word. Be praying. Right? Be meditating on God's Word and filling your heart and mind with it. Follow the example of Christ in a lifestyle of personal holiness that is evident to others. But that's what it means to be submitted to the Word. Secondly, uh, respond in the worship of God, regularly and joyfully participating in the corporate worship gatherings of CCF. Right? And it's, it's awesome that we gather, we worship together. Give financially to CCF as the Spirit leads. And by the way, we don't keep track of that. It's a great thing with cash. We have no idea what people give. We don't, this is between you and God, but we trust that you commit to, 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 to following this teaching of Scripture. Participate in the Lord's Supper in union with the CCF community. Um, thirdly, live in 
in, in, in the community of God, uh, actively pursuing biblical community and fellowship within CCF, right? Engaging in the community, engaging in relationships, participating in some kind of small group that provides accountability. And again, not necessarily a CCF group, right? but you commit to being in accountable relationships with a small group of people. Regularly committing, regularly communicating with my care shepherd. Don't hide from them, please. Make it easy for them. Make it, make it a two-way thing, right? Where they're trying to engage you, but you're also wanting to have a relationship with them. It makes it a lot easier, right? Um, preserve the unity of the Spirit by pursuing healthy Christ-honoring relationships in all the body of Christ. You know, get along. Keep unity. Uh, lastly, actively ministering to the body at CCF by using my time, gifts, and resources to build up this local body. Okay, regardless of what your ministry is outside, that you're committing to some time and energy at some level ministering to this body with your gifts. And again, that doesn't have to be through a program. It can be through uh, however God's gifted you. And finally, join in the mission of God. Uh, pursue intentional, transparent relationships with non-Christians in my sphere of influence. And be involved with the living out and sharing of the gospel, both locally and globally. Okay. So that's it. That's the covenant community. Uh, last word. Let me close with just reading Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Uh, and it's about marriage, but it, it fits here because it's about covenant. And it's about Jesus' love for his church. Ephesians 5 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. The thing is, Jesus loves the church. He loves the church universal. He loves the local church. In, in Revelations, uh, chapters 2 and 3, he writes specific letters to individual visible local churches. Jesus loves the church. He loves CCF. And he loves all the other churches in Chiang Mai and around the world. He loves them. Right? Are we on the same page with God? Right? Do we care about his church like he cares about his church? If we don't, there's probably a problem. There's probably a problem. Okay. Um, we would like you to ask what God would have you do. And again, if you don't want to do this, if you don't want to sign the covenant, it's no, no worries. I mean, we're going to love you. But you limit the extent of our relationship. Right. You, put on your, you put in that a limitation to our relationship. Just like the guy dating the girl that's not interested in him. You know. Yeah, we only go so far if, if, if you don't want relationship. And the only way we know that is just sign up. Right? Uh, how do you do that? Um, sign up in Breeze. Make sure we have your email. Um, then you can go to our webpage, ccfth.org, and uh, there's a button on it that says Covenant Community. You can click on that and you can read the whole thing. Um, we're also sending you a link uh, by email. Is there a link actually on the website? No. 
The link comes to you by email, and you can click on the link, and it will bring you to a form. You can fill out that form, and, and that signs you up. It's so simple. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Thank you.